Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray again. Father, open our hearts, open our eyes, open our understanding. We pray as we now want to see Jesus, we pray that in your word we would see the Lord revealed. Amen. Now, uh, Luke 24, 45 is our scripture verse for tonight, Luke 24, 45, and it says, then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. Now, The other day I was asked this question, why do you only teach, why does it seem that you only teach from the Old Testament and not the New Testament? I'm not prejudiced against the New Testament, but it was a question. And really I was thinking about it because really my goal is to demonstrate that the Old Testament and the New Testaments are just one continuous book. The book, that's what the name the Bible means. The Bible means the book, it's the book. God has given us one book. God has given us one Bible. The Old Testament and the New Testaments are one book. They're one Bible. When I first picked up a Bible for the very first time and I I was trying to find God and I saw this is a huge book, it's almost 2,000 pages. I graduated from high school, I think I read all of three books, the longest was 100 pages. And so this was like daunting to me. I had never read the Bible before. I know you all think that every Jewish person has memorized the Old Testament. I'll just tell you the truth, not, okay? But the Bible was just foreign to me, and I wanted to know God, and I knew that I could find him in the Bible. So I looked in the table of contests for the fastest way to find God in this huge book, and I saw, hey, two-thirds of these 2,000 pages is titled old, and one-third is titled new, so this is a no-brainer. I'm gonna take the shorter new. I wanted something new, I didn't want something old. So I started reading the New Testament, And so you can see that from just from my very mindset there, and I wasn't alone, there was this disconnect in my mind between the Old Testament and the New Testament. But as I read the New Testament, I began to see more and more references back to the Old Testament. So I had this great division between the Old and the New Testament, but as I got into the Bible, I began to see how wrong it was to have this division between the Old and New Testaments because they're really one, they're really one. The more time I spent in the Old Testament, the more I understood the New Testament. And the more time I spent in the New Testament, the more I understood the Old Testament because you cannot understand the meaning of the New Testament without understanding the meaning of the Old Testament. You cannot understand the meaning of the Old Testament without understanding the meaning of the New Testament. So why are the Old and New Testaments one? Why is that? And there's one reason, God. 
because God is one. As the Shema says in Deuteronomy 6.4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And the words flow from God's mouth in the Old Testament, and the words flow from God's mouth in the New Testament, so the Old and the New Testament are one because it's the same God who's speaking. It's the same God who speaks in both the Old Testament and the New Testaments, and God hasn't changed. He didn't have a period when he was old, and he didn't have a period when he's new, because as it says in Hebrews 13:8, Jesus Christ the same yesterday, today, and forever. So the Old Testament and the New Testament are one, and that's why the goal of my teaching is always to constantly blend back and forth with scriptures from the Old Testament, scriptures from the New Testament, in order to demonstrate this oneness of them. And I wish they weren't named the Old Testament and the New Testament, because I think it's misleading. But you know what, they didn't ask me what I thought they should be named. But had they asked, had they asked what they should mean, I would have given them some names. I would have said, let's call this old, don't you call it old, let's call this part here God in heaven, and then let's call this other part God on earth. Let's call this other part behind the veil, and let's call this other part in front of the veil. Let's call this other part before flesh, and this other part after flesh. And that would be, to me, clearer. So in order to see this oneness between the Old and New Testament, we need a heart that changes. We need a heart that's prepared. And especially when we come to the Bible, we need heart preparations. Because the scriptures are very special and they must be interpreted correctly. The scriptures are a locked book. They must be unlocked or revealed by God like we were just singing. For this reason, we need heart preparations as we come to the scriptures. Before coming to the scriptures, it's important for us to prepare our hearts by keeping in mind certain basic truths or basic principles, and they're brought out by the Lord Jesus Christ in this passage in Luke 24 on the discourse on the road to Emmaus. And so if you want to look at that, we'll start up here at verse 13. Read part here, and then we'll jump to another part. We're right here in Luke 24, Luke 24, 13, Luke 24, 13. And behold, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which is from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. And it came to pass that while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them, but their eyes were holden that they should not know him. And he said unto them, what manner of communications are these which you have one with another as you walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answering said unto him, art thou only a stranger in Jerusalem and hast thou not known the things which are come to pass there in these days? And he said unto them, what things? And they said unto him, concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which was a prophet, mighty indeed, word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests and our rulers delivered him to be condemned to death and have crucified him. But we trusted that it had been him which should have redeemed Israel. And beside us, today is the third day since these things were done. Yea, and certain women also of our company made us astonished when we're early at the sepulcher. And when they found not his body, they came saying that they had seen a vision of angels which said that he was alive. And certain of them which were with us went to the sepulcher and found it even so as the woman had said, but him they saw not. Then he said unto them, O fools and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, 
Ought not Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded unto them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Now you jump down to verse 31, verse 31, Luke 24, 31, Luke 24, 31. And their eyes were opened, and they knew him, and he vanished out of their sight. And they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while he talked with us, by the way, and while he opened to us the scriptures? Now jump down to verse 44, Luke 24, 44, Luke 24, 44. And he said unto them, these are the words which I spake unto you while I was yet with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. Then opened he their understanding that they might understand the scripture. Now, what we see in this encounter here is a history between two believers who are walking together and they're reasoning between themselves. In other words, they're trying to understand what had just happened to the Lord Jesus Christ and they wanted to know. So what we first of all see in their hearts is a desire. There's a hunger to know, and that's the first principle that we must have when we come to the scriptures. We must have a desire. There must be a passionate yearning or a craving to understand, to learn more and more about God or the Lord Jesus Christ. And King Solomon nailed it in Proverbs 2.1, Proverbs 2.1. He goes through and he's describing here, and watch the progression now in Proverbs 2.1 when he said, my son, and watch these words. My son, if thou wilt receive my words and hide my commandments with thee, so that thou incline thine ear unto wisdom and imply thine heart to understanding. Yea, if thou criest after knowledge and liftest up thy voice for understanding, if thou seekest her as silver and searchest for her as for hid treasures, then thou shalt understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom, out of his mouth cometh knowledge and understanding. That's describing a passion. That's describing a craving, a longing, a yearning to learn more about God or the Lord Jesus. See, this is describing a progression of interest. You get these words in Proverbs 2.2, Proverbs 2.2, where he says, incline thine ear. That means show an interest. But then it progresses on to the next verse in Proverbs 2, 3, the third verse. Criest after, liftest up thy voice. That means that there's a yearning here that's good, that's really progressing, rather, into a have to have. And I don't care who hears me cry, and I don't care who hears me lift up my voice. I must have. And then it progresses in verse 4, verse 4, Proverbs 2, 4, Proverbs 2, 4 of a seeking and a seeking for silver and a searching for hid treasure, and it speaks of a whole life commitment. So this is the first principle when we study any part of the scriptures, when we come to any part of the scriptures, there's got to be this strong, wholehearted passion to learn about the Lord Jesus Christ. These are like deep roots of the soul. You know, these, the strong passion to know the Lord Jesus Christ are the deep roots. They're the roots that are constantly reaching out now, well, I know in my backyard, they're upturning the concrete, the big tree. But they're reaching out farther and farther. And those are the roots that hold the tree when we have the strong winds blow. You know, those roots go from, you know, when they're first planted, oh, I'd like to have, and then they take root, and then it's, I want, and then they go to, I need, and then they go to, I must have. That's the progression. And if deep down there is not this strong inner, I must know, 
more about the Lord Jesus Christ. If it's just a casual interest of, no, that seems interesting for now, that's interesting, okay, then what will happen is that there will not be these long-reaching, strong, deep roots when testing or trouble comes and the roots won't be able to hold the tree. And that's what happened in my driveway just a couple of weeks ago when we had the big winds there in the driveway. The strong winds came, and just take a look just look at this tree that fell over here. This is the tree. That's the root ball there. Look at how healthy it was. It was very healthy. It was green. I didn't understand. You know, I looked at the tree. I said, okay, you know, and it blew over like that. And I went out, and I was so surprised to see it. You know why? Because you look there. You see that root ball? It's very small, very small. There weren't any strong roots. That was the only tree that fell over. And of course, it looked so nice, you couldn't tell. And then after it fell over and you saw the roots here, then I said, oh, okay, I understand. What I couldn't see was the reason why it fell over. I couldn't see that. You know, I went out to the tree and I yelled at the tree and I said, you look so healthy, why didn't you say something? You, know, <laughs> you, know, you didn't tell me you didn't have any roots. You know, <laughs> could have done something to try to shore you up. <laughs> but, you know, if there's only a casual interest in the Lord Jesus Christ, then there are no strong roots. No strong roots to hold when testing comes. And what happens? A fall happens, a fall happens. And everyone in the church, when they only saw the leaves, and they looked so good, and they couldn't see the roots, it comes as a shock. Why did this person fall away from the Lord? Because the roots, there wasn't the strong yearning. The Lord Jesus Christ spoke about this problem of these unseen shallow roots in Luke 8.13, Luke 8.13 when he said, they on the rock are they which when they hear, receive the word and with joy. And these have no root, which for a while believe and in a time of temptation fall away. See, those words that he's using here tell the whole story. They hear, receive, no roots, fall. So the first principle we need when we open the scriptures is to come with a passion to see the Lord Jesus Christ. That means to take out the broom and sweep away all the apathy, all the half-heartedness. Okay, but then I know, you know what happens because what if we don't really have an interest in addressing our lack of interest? You know, then what? Then it's time to turn to Isaiah 64 because the chapter in Isaiah 64 addresses this issue and especially in Isaiah 64, 6. In Isaiah 64, 6, we are speaking when it says, but we are all as an unclean thing, and all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, and we do all fade as a leaf, and our iniquities like the wind have taken us away, and there's none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to hold, take hold of thee. In Isaiah 64, 6, when it says, we are all as an unclean thing, it means that we are all as an unclean thing. Okay, wasn't that great Bible exposition? <laughs> okay, that means that every one of us are as an unclean thing. There's no good thing in an unclean thing. And the problem is thinking that we are a good thing, thinking that we are good, thinking that we are a clean thing is nothing short of P-R-I-D-E, pride. And pride causes self-righteousness. It causes self-satisfaction. It causes self-complacency. And it causes a lack of interest in seeking God for help as a savior and a cleanser of the heart. So the first prescription 
for a lack of passion is to take a good, healthy look at our own sin and our own uncleanness before God. Then, when we do that, in Isaiah 64, 6 says, all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags, that means all our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. It means everything that originates in us that we think is, that's pretty good, that's really good, is in reality filthy before God. And if we really do this, then we're gonna be deeply disturbed. We're gonna have a holy anxiety. And God says, when those truths deeply disturb your soul, it's time not to sink into a state of hopelessness and depression, but to look at the next verse in Isaiah 64, 7. Isaiah 64, 7, which says, there is none that calleth upon thy name that stirreth up himself to take hold of thee. That's the time to stir ourselves up to take hold of God. God is reaching out his hand and he's saying, take a hold. And the decision totally is up to us. Are we gonna take a hold of God's hand or not? And when one person has fallen and he locks hands with another person who's there to help him, then it could be that both persons then pull to recover the fallen person. Or it can be that just one person pulls, the other person just holds the hand, and that's what God says he will do. In Isaiah 27.5, Isaiah 27.5, God puts it this word, wait. Or let him take hold of my strength that he may make peace with me, and he shall make peace with me. All we have to do is take hold of God's hand and then he alone will pull us up. God is calling out and he says, take a hold of my strength. Take hold of my strength. Now we're the weak ones and all we gotta do is just reach out our hand and that's the decision we make and then God uses his strength to pull us up. That's taking hold of God's strength. So the first principle in coming to the Bible is to come with a passion to find the Lord Jesus in the scriptures and to learn about the Lord Jesus in the scriptures. So the first word in coming to the word of God that we need is the word passion, passion. Now, the second point is also seen in this passage in Luke 24, in verse 16, in Luke 24, verse 16, 24, 16, when it says, but their eyes were holden that they should not know him. We don't use that word very often. Never use it as a matter of fact. It, what it means is, even though these believers, those believers had a desire to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, their eyes were holden. It's an old English word. It just simply means held down. Their eyes were held down. It's a word krateo in Greek, and it means to hold down with strength. It has the idea of strength in it. So this word indicates that there is a strength that holds the eyes down, it holds the eyes shut. This is describing a problem that these on the roads to Emmaus had, describing a problem that you and I have. When it says in this verse, Luke 12, their eyes were holding, they should not know him, it's not saying they were a little exhausted that day, it was just an emotional day, they were worn out, all the drama, the master had been crucified, the disciples are hiding, everybody is just off their marks, it's not saying that. What it's saying here in this verse 16, their eyes were holding that they should not know him. It's describing a fundamental problem that we all have. It's similar to the problem that's described in 2 Corinthians 4.4, 2 Corinthians 4.4, when it says, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light 
of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. Other places it speaks about the Jewish people having a veil on them, which is taken away when they turn to the Lord Jesus Christ. But this description in Luke 24, 16, their eyes were holden that they should not know him, is a problem that keeps us from seeing the central theme in the Old and New Testaments, and that theme is a person. It's the Lord Jesus Christ, which is what he said in John 5.39, John 5.39, when he said, search the scriptures, for in them you think you have eternal life. They are they which testify of me. They testify of the Lord Jesus Christ. They don't just make reference here and there it's a testify of me is not just a reference here and there, it's everywhere. Have you ever seen those Bible guides that are written, you know, whenever you have a need for this, then turn to this scriptures? I mean, we have one in the back of the Friendship with God Bible. And, you know, they're for anyone who feels that, you know, I need to find in the scripture something for hope, something for comfort, something for guidance for my life. I need some specific scriptures. You know, in reality, all those scriptures are referring to the Lord Jesus Christ because it's hope from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's comfort from the Lord Jesus Christ. It's life guidance by the Lord Jesus Christ. And the reason is because all the scriptures speak of the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, in the case of John 5.39, where they said, search the scriptures for them, you think you have life, John 5.39, they were searching the scriptures for eternal life. And he, said, he was saying to them, look, you're searching the scriptures in search of eternal life, and you don't have assurance that you have found eternal life in the scriptures because there's one problem, one problem. And he nailed their problem in the next verse in John 5.30, John 5.30, when he then said, you will not come to me that you might have life. He looked at these experts in the scriptures much like you can look at the Orthodox Jewish people today who spend hours per day reading the scriptures and studying the scriptures with their commentary called the Talmud. And Talmud means to learn. And so they spend hours per day reading and studying their commentary and learning and then davening. Davening, ever seen that? Davening back and forth. The rhythmic reciting of traditional prayers and the writings, daven. Daven comes from the word davatenu, davatenu, which means from our fathers, passed down from our fathers. So they're reciting, which has come down from their fathers. They've immersed themselves in the scripture, only one problem. They are denying the central theme of the scriptures, who is the Lord Jesus Christ. The central theme of all the scriptures is the Lord Jesus Christ. And this is what gets to me. Whenever I speak, for example, I have an Orthodox Jewish friend, and he speaks about the Old Testament. He says, okay, okay. He says, show me one scripture that speaks about Jesus. Okay. <laughs> in the Old Testament. One scripture in the Old Testament speaks about Jesus. Well, at the back of our Bible, the Friendship with God Bible, we have a section called Messianic Prophecies and Fulfillments. There's 181 references in the Old Testament to the Lord Jesus Christ. Well... He's made it his life ambition to show that Jesus is not in the Old Testament, and he has his book of the same 181 references in the Old Testament show that they're not referring to Jesus. So we have great conversations. When the Lord Jesus said in John 5.40, very important verse, you will not come to me that you might have life. 
He was saying that as long as anyone persists to deny the Lord Jesus Christ, his position as Almighty God, Creator, Judge, then they will stay in this pathetic Luke 24, 16 position of their eyes were holden that they should not know him. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher Tom Cantor here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 